Today I'm going to talk about spider web economics, something that really explains what's happening today and how that's a key tool you may wish to use to evaluate your current business or your investments. I'm also going to talk about a stock I'm going to be purchasing tomorrow, which really, without knowing it, is taking advantage of a current trend due to COVID-19. Let's get started. Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Speck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice-monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. Please remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your financial advisor or investment specialist before you make any changes to your investment policy or stocks or bonds or real estate you may own. I am not an investment advisor. I am simply talking about what I'm doing and our investments for your entertainment purposes. Spiderweb economics. I kind of made that up, but if I did, I did a Google and found it. It's actually out there. So you can read about it and you can see it. And and let me explain, and, and I wrote about this as well. So if you go to my LinkedIn page or you go to some of the uh, Facebook page I have, you'll see Spider Web Economics and COVID-19 is the name of the written article. And and it's it, it, it came about because of what I'm seeing and what I'm doing in investing. And also I'm going to finish the podcast today by talking about an investment I'm going to make tomorrow that I've been following this REIT for a very long time. And finally it's at the point where I think it's worth uh, starting to nibble away. If you look at a spider web, and I think we all pretty much know what they look like, there's a center sort of circle and then there's all types of strands that go out from that center. And for the purpose of our discussion today, we're going to look at the restaurant industry. And in the center of our spider web is going to be a restaurant. Let's say it's a small restaurant, has maybe 15 staff, maybe has 25 seats. I could be wrong with the amount of staff for 25 seats. But let's assume there's 15 staff in this restaurant. And they serve a lunch and dinner menu. They also serve a Sunday brunch. Now, with COVID-19, they've had to shut down. It's been now three months, going on four. They they were very tight with their margins before. Well-run uh, restaurant made about 5 to 10% uh, on their sales uh, before the owner took any money personally, which is not unusual in small business. So let's look at what happened with our uh, spider web economics. So the the point of this is that each of the strands of the spider that, that sort of move out from the center represent an area of impact by the closing of that restaurant. Now, you can also use this in the reverse to talk about a successful business and what that does to other aspects of an economy, which is what we'll do when we talk about next steps after COVID. But let's take a look at the restaurant industry. One of the most surprising things we we were able to see or we saw in Canada and the United States is the dumping of agricultural products, particularly dairy products. Let's look at milk. And I talked to someone associated with the dairy industry in Canada. Family members actually are are involved in the industry. And they said the reason they're dumping is because the factories that provided uh, bulk milk sales to restaurants no longer had a market. So they couldn't adjust the the milk production lines quickly enough to put it into smaller bags for consumers or smaller containers. So they had this surplus of milk. 
And so they had to dump it, they said. That was their solution. Now, under supply management, there's no competition for dairy products in Canada. You can't start a organic dairy operation where you may have 20 cattle and you may have people purchase shares in your in your farm or shares of the milk that each cow will produce and then sell it to them because you'll go to jail. Someone tried that somewhere in Ontario and I think was charged criminally and almost went to jail and was willing to do so, but it's illegal under supply management. So we have this system where in Canada, 37 million people are dictated to by 10,000 farmers when it comes to milk production and uh, milk uh, purchases. So on the one hand, we had people dumping milk, while on the other hand, you went to the grocery store, I remember, and we were limited to how much dairy we could buy. I remember looking for butter. There was no butter, and I, I got some butter from PEI. There was some PEI butter on the shelf. So that really made me wonder, and if you look at the restaurant industry, by closing that restaurant, you not only affected uh, the 15 people that work there, all the other suppliers to that restaurant, and then move out to the, eventually the landlord, the, um, you know, the electricity company, all the other providers and suppliers, and who they provide services to. And if we look at the dairy industry strand, it really exposed a weakness in that strand, not just because we're not local, but because we don't determine our own outcome. The market doesn't determine it. And so that's a great weakness. And so the ripple effect, the, the spider web economics, look at the long-term implications of one change, that by closing a restaurant or not allowing that restaurant to reopen, you've caused a, an effect that will take quite, quite some time to unravel, but will impact an incredible aspect of our economy. If you look at the decision, I'll give you another one. In our, in our community, there was a decision uh, not close to us in, at the University of Windsor to close that university for the fall face-to-face -face interaction with students. So let's, if you, if you take the spider web economics, you have a closing of a university and the direct people impacted, that could be professors, that could be uh, for sure all the staff that provide services to those students, from cleaning staff to those in the residences, the food that's provided to those residences, the farmers, the other people that are interacting with, with, with all of the economics of that university. So then when you have people not there, there are a number of not only housing establishments, but also business establishments surrounding that university who rely on students to help them with their businesses, whether it be grocery stores, drug stores, uh, fast food, uh, restaurants, and so on. So the impact of closing of that university to face-to-face -face contact has unbelievable exponential impacts on a community. And I don't believe that when those decisions are made, People take the time to really look at all levels of this, not just the first or second wave of the spider web economics of that decision, but the, the you know, if you look at the far, what's the most important part of a spider web? I would suggest to you it's the strands the farthest away or the furthest away from the center because that's how it's anchored. So if the, if the furthermost outside of a spider web no longer exists or are, are detached, the, the web has no, has no more ability to, to be functional. And this is what we're seeing in our economy. Now, right now, everybody's focused on everything around that circle. And if you look at what's happening with government, everything's about supporting different aspects 
to try to, um, you know, look at the immediate issue. We're going to support that middle ground person. Although in some cases, uh, restaurants have been ignored. Um, people who have small businesses, someone has a, a uh, small landscaping company, and they were denied the ability to work in the spring. Uh, to do certain things until recently. So that landscaper in the middle who's self-employed, who has no employees, was not eligible for, for very much uh, fee. But now, now let's take another example. The government in Canada has said, okay, everyone is going to be able to get $2,000 a month if they're impacted by COVID. And while that meets the initial need of that center of that spider web, what are the implications with regard to spider web economics of the pool of employees willing to go back in certain industries. So it's going to be challenging for, for small business to bring back employees because of a, you know, extended strand from the center of our web, which has an impact of what's happened on the ability of those businesses to reopen. So the spider web economics, really, when we look at that, we look at all of the implications, all of the, you know, the extended issues that happen. And looking at that from, as I talk about, an artificial intelligence or a deep research kind of dig. And I'm going to talk about now about one that I've looked at, which really does make a lot of sense to me. And that is this whole issue of space. If you remember, I talked about trends in COVID. And think about uh, spider web economics and think about people who say, okay, I, I'm living in a in a condominium in a large community. I may have spent, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a square foot to purchase this five hundred square foot condominium that's now worth three quarters of a million dollars. If I were to sell this, let's assume a person could get that for the condo, which I'm not sure they could, but let's say they could. What are their rental options? What can I do as far as rental? So if I could take that seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and pay off the mortgage, and I'd have, say, four or $500,000 less left, which is a significant amount of money, what would I then do to live? Are you going to live in another, you know, intense, uh, population-intense kind of area, or are you going to look for more space, as you would find if you had a house in suburbia or even a house on a small piece of land? And, and I, I propose that most people are going to be looking at a minimum at a house where they can live alone in a house or with their families and have a backyard and have, have space. There's one company listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, uh, and the symbol is uh, T, sorry, TCN, and the company is Tricon Capital. Now, I've, I've watched them for a great you know, length of time. They, they have houses across the United States that they own and rent out. So they're basically you know, primarily in the business of purchasing homes and renting them out to renters. And they have a team, people who take care of landscaping and all the phone calls and property management. So they have an asset base of homes, as you would, you have a home, but it's leveraged to their ability to create services and rent to other people. Now think about it for a moment. Their dividend is uh, at 3.75%. They're, they're, an American, they're a Canadian company, but their properties are all across America from the East and West Coast. They target those in the sixty to $120,000 income range. So they're going after what are considered the upper middle class or middle class uh, workers. They have a price earnings ratio of 844 
and a price to book of 0.62, which tells me it's trading at a discount. The range of the stock has been anywhere from 12 to $5. Currently, it's at $7.55. So I'm going to start nibbling away at this um, tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, May 19th, because I believe it's a future trend. So we have we have a really a reasonable dividend, and it's um, recently they reported a write-down. They have a, a division. Uh, which was associated with other services, and they thought they would write that down, and that's why they took a loss, which is why the stock price is where it's at. But they recently had a May 15th conference call, and, and you should listen to it before you, and, and obviously talk to your advisors before you do anything, but I just listened to it, and I looked at their numbers, and I believe on a coin flip it's a regional one one to take. If if you know, I own a home, although I don't consider a home an investment, if I were... To rent it out, it would be an investment, and that's what they do. And they have multiple properties throughout the country. So the good news is about, while real estate isn't very liquid, they have a lot of diversity or diversification because they own homes um, throughout the country, the United States, and they don't have as much leverage, so they have a lot of uh, equity. So should house prices drop 10 or 20%, they will be okay because they're also considered more of a hybrid investment vehicle where people will purchase uh, stock and also want to live. So think back to my story. So if you're if you're going to sell your condominium and you're able to rent for, say, $1,200 a month in, in one of these communities, you're going to be able to have the security knowing that you have that gain locked in uh, in the sale of your home and, and the ability to live in a, in a great neighborhood where you have opportunity for space, but also, if you need, social isolation. So space, as I said, is one of the trends I see coming out of COVID that will be with us forever. And I think this idea of living in a rental uh, also takes care of the growing and aging population where people want to lock in. Hopefully they have some of the gains they've made in their personal properties if they're not tied to it for other reasons and be able to live in a, in a very uh, well-kept, updated home with services, so it's very much it's like the condominium experience where they don't have to take care of a lot of things, but they have that space. So that's Tricon Capital. Now, they're going to be going through a name change uh, shortly to focus more on their residential. The part that concerns me in the call, they talked a little bit about uh, multi-unit residential or apartments. Um, I'll be watching it closely because if that becomes a significant part of what they're doing, I'll probably move out of it. Uh, but I do think it's a hold for uh, quite a period of time, hopefully. The dividend's great at 3.75. And I think it's going to continue to grow as more and more people become aware of the need of space and that trend for space. So if we look at the spider web economics of what happened with COVID and the shutdown, and if we put social isolation in the center or, or social distancing in the center, we're going to see, uh, you know, permeations or impacts on all kinds of things. And I think this is the one that's coming with housing. We're going to be seeing more of a rush towards space to get out into the country, even suburban environments where you still have friends, but you may see larger lots. I can see a one acre lot becoming a prized possession, anywhere from one to 10 acres where you actually have land that you can do something with should you need to, and that includes growing a garden, having chickens, doing whatever, but you feel secure when you know that ha that you have that capacity. The other part I'll talk about briefly, I mentioned it with the milk, is that there needs to be an opportunity, and this is where one of the strands of our spider web when it comes to 
um, what's happened with the shutting down of restaurants, is the need for local providers of food. We, we've talked about it in terms of farmers who provide vegetables, but we don't have the same when it comes to dairy or to meat and even chickens. There's, there's a chicken egg board and a chicken board, and there's, you know, there's a great deal. And, and, and in Ontario, the government has cracked down on, on smaller abattoirs or butcher or slaughterhouses and, and butchers where they were able, every community had one or two. And now everything goes to these large plants, and we know what's happened with that as far as not, not just food safety, but worker safety and the ability of, of people to access good, healthy food. So we're going to see a trend. The question is, and I think that's one of the barriers to this, is how will the people demand this? Will they speak up? Will they demand it? Or will they continue to allow for things like supply management and more government restrictions, which stops the expansion of the businesses that we're all now asking for? Wouldn't it be great to take a Saturday and go to your local baker, go to your local butcher, uh, go to your local farm market or farmer, uh, purchase your products and go to the grocery store to purchase other products, a local grocer, and be able to live in that type of community. And I think that day is coming back to us soon, uh, more so than uh, was previously thought with uh, COVID. And perhaps that's a new spider web we can construct. Have an amazing investment week, and I look forward to speaking with you again next time. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca or the audio version at awesound.com. That's A-W-E sound.com. 